0: Good morning. Welcome to the Ken Pittman Show. Ken is off today. It's Paul Santos filling in. Welcome in. We're glad to have you listening here on 1420 WBSM. And, of course, 99.5 FM, always a great time to join you, the WBSM audience. We think we have a great show lined up today. I've got it broken down into three parts. The first hour, we're going to be talking about the MCAS requirement right now at New Bedford High School, or actually in the... New Bedford Public Schools, and really in the state at large that you have to pass the MCAS in order to graduate, say, New Bedford High School, and how that is considered to be unfair and really not workable uh, by most standards. I think uh, 70% of the population agrees that we should eliminate the MCAS. We're going to be talking about that in just a few moments with our first guest. Then at hour number two, we have uh, political analyst Tom Hunt, who's very well known in the community giving his analysis on local politics, national politics, etc. We have a number of local issues going on and we have a number of state issues going on and of course we have super tuesday just around the corner. So we're going to get here his thoughts on that. And then hour number 3 we got open phones but we might be talking a little bit about the death with dignity issue that's come up a little bit whether or not Massachusetts should Join some other jurisdictions on death with dignity. What do you think about that? We're going to talk about that in hour number three. But as we said in hour number one, we want to talk about the issue regarding the MCAS. And joining us here to talk about that is an educator from New Bedford High School. Her name is uh, Kelly Murphy. Kelly, thank you very much for joining us here on WBSM. Thank
1: you. I'm happy to be
0: here. If you could just move that microphone a little bit closer to you, that would be fantastic. <laughs> no well, welcome to uh welcome to our show this morning. We're happy to have you here. The reason why I wanted to bring someone on is because i was looking at the new bedford school committee meeting last week and i know there was a public comment time period which is always very interesting anytime they have a public comment i think you really can get a feel of the community what the thoughts are on different issues and there are a number of teachers that went up there and really gave an impassioned plea an impassioned argument as to why we should get rid of the mcas here in massachusetts as a graduation requirement and everything that's kind of wrong with the mcas as far as having a high stakes test so i was interested to hear those those arguments and they were pretty persuasive including your own i have to say thank you so before we get into all that maybe we'll get some background on uh, kelly murphy first of all where are you from and where do you teach
1: hi so um i'm from taunton massachusetts that's where i grew up um about five years ago i got a job at new bedford high school as a building based substitute teacher Uh, The year after that, I became a full-time teacher, and this is now my fourth year in the New Bedford District. Currently, I'm working at the high school.
0: All right, and you... Went to Bridgewater, did you?
1: Yes, I did. Bridgewater State University.
0: All right. What type of teaching do you do at this high school?
1: So I'm an ELA and special education teacher. Um, My subject, ELA, but primarily I'm a special education teacher first and foremost.
0: All right. And what does a special education teacher do? Because you don't have like your own class. You kind of move around from class to class. Is that how it works?
1: Depends on what kind of special education teacher you are. I'm a co-teacher personally, so I usually work with a content teacher to support kids who have learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities. ADHD, autism, all of those different things. I'm there to support them and help them be successful.
0: Now, I know a few years back, the MCAS was made a requirement in order to graduate from New Bedford High School and get your high school diploma. Yep. Uh, some would say, well, you know, kids should be able to pass a test in order to say, well, I know this, I know how to read, I know how to write and all those types of things. Why do you think the MCAS has been a bad idea in order to get the high school diploma?
1: So there's honestly more problems that I could even list with the MCAS test itself. Um, A few months ago, I actually led an NBC SOS discussion with a bunch of community members. So it's not even just my point of view that I have. I have all these different members of the community who gave me their thoughts on it. Um, The main problem is it's a one size fits all test standardized. Everybody has to take it. Everybody has to pass it with no regard to what their socioeconomic um, state of living is, what their abilities are, what their English proficiency is. There's kids who come in who don't even know English very well and they're still expected to take and pass this test. Um, Kids with significant learning disabilities who come to school every day and work hard, take the test, fail it, and now they may not get a diploma even though they have 100% attendance and do fantastic on their schoolwork.
0: Now, I know that the MCAS has been around a long time, and it would continue even if it was eliminated as a graduation requirement.
1: Yes. So the graduation requirement would just take away the pressure of that test earning you your diploma. The MCAS won't go away, but you wouldn't have that pressure of, okay, if I fail this one singular test, I won't get a diploma no matter how good I did at school.
0: I remember even back when I was in school, which was getting to be a long time ago, (laughs) I remember we did take standardized tests, but I think it was just more to determine the areas that the school was maybe doing well in, maybe there were certain areas that we could do better. It was sort of like an information gathering process.
1: Right, and it's not my favorite method of that, but it is a decent method of gathering data. So I have no problem with it for that issue, for that purpose, but using it as a requirement is just a huge disservice to the kids at large.
0: Why do you think it's difficult that this hasn't been addressed sooner or that more people haven't been on board with eliminating it?
1: Probably money, um, in my opinion. The test is a very easy way to determine what schools are going to get funding, how much funding, what schools are underperforming, so we don't have to – we can take better control of them. It's a lot about money and control and things like that.
0: We have an educator here this morning, Kelly Murphy, teaches at New Bedford High School, an opponent of the MCAS, as a graduation requirement, a proponent to have the MCAS removed as a graduation requirement. If you have any questions for her – Or about education in general at New Bedford High School, give us a call at 508-996-0500, and you can get in on the discussion. One of the things that I noticed, too, about this test, you know, I looked at this test a couple of times. My wife is a retired teacher, and I don't know, the way this test is constructed, uh, it almost seems, I don't know, more difficult than it has to be, kind of convoluted. There's trick questions in there and oh, stuff absolutely. like that. I, I I thought it was really, I mean, I looked at the test. I'm, I mean, I have a jurist doctor. <laughs> I'm an attorney. I went to school for eight years. I'm looking at this test. I'm thinking, I don't know how well I would do on this thing. I mean, it is a kind of a, I don't know, a complicated kind of a test.
1: Oh, absolutely. It uses a lot of like high level vocabulary, which isn't inherently a problem. We should be teaching our students this vocabulary, but if they don't know it, they'll get a question. They may know the answer to that question, but they don't, aren't sure what the question is asking them. I spend weeks prior to the MCAS teaching kids how to take the test like okay if it says analyze this is what it's asking you to do and this question is a trick question so answer it this way and I'm like I don't want to waste weeks of my time teaching kids how to take a test instead of just teaching them the things they actually need to know.
0: Well I remember teachers would say to me that they had to spend a lot of time as you said teaching to the test and I'm thinking well if you're teaching to the test the material that's Going to be on the test, I guess, would be a consideration, but it really has to do with test-taking techniques as opposed to subject matter. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's a mixture of both. Like, I'm teaching the material that will be on the test, but a lot of it, especially for, for example, kids coming from out of state, kids coming from out of country, they've never taken a test like this, and I have to teach them how to do that. Or kids with disabilities for whom taking this test is not the best way for them to demonstrate their skills, I have to teach them how to do it. And what's worse is the test – we have state curriculum standards that we have to teach them. The test is only a small portion of that. So I'm spending all this time making sure they can meet these competencies in this small area that will be on the test while abandoning the dozens of other things they also need to know.
0: Well, it's interesting because there are two things going on right now. There's the ballot question issue that you're going to discuss right now. And then right after that, we'd like to get into the Thrive Act because there is a piece of legislation – that would also possibly eliminate the MCAS. So if you could explain to our audience the difference between those two things.
1: So the ballot initiative is like 100% a grassroots initiative. It was people getting right to the floor and organizing and getting votes. And I was part of that. I went canvassing, but the ballot initiative would essentially just get rid of the graduation requirement so that, okay, the MCAS is still here. You just, if the question goes through, if it gets on the ballot, which it will be on the ballot, is, um, they will not have to use that as a graduation requirement. The Thrive Act is a little bit more than that.
0: All right. The Thrive Act is more a piece of legislation that would have yes. to be passed by, you know, the legislature here in Massachusetts, perhaps either signed by the governor. I, I understand that Governor Healy is on board with this position. Is that correct?
1: As far as I know, yes.
0: Yeah. So in other words, if the legislature were to pass, say, the Thrive Act, then I'm sure she would sign it into law. And that would be that. I'm looking at some statistics here. Forty-two states uh, do not use a single high-stakes test in order to give out diplomas. So the United States, uh, looking across all of the states, right, Massachusetts is in the minority in terms of this issue. Yeah. All right. We're talking to Kelly Murphy, a special education teacher at New Bedford High School. We'd like to have you join in the discussion. Our number here is 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones right now. Good morning yeah good morning how are you uh, i wanted uh, pretty good hanging in there
2: mr <laughs> santos and, and uh, good morning to your guests okay. um it was reported on your radio station there's a uh, new Bedford public schools a high rate of uh, absenteeism underperforming schools and since she's a teacher on the ground you uh, can give us some kind of an insight and the other thing is uh, the migrant situation in our public schools I know when Pia Durkin was uh, the superintendent, she said they were speaking over 40 different languages, especially indigenous languages, different dialects. And uh, how many bilingual teachers and programs do we have in our school? And how Can you give us an input as far as how many migrants and how many non-English speaking students? I think that's having a significant impact on our schools. I know it's a lot on your plate, but just to give us an idea, because we get new sound bites, but I I want some kind of an insight. No, some good questions.
0: All right, good questions. Thank you. Yep. Okay. A lot to unpack there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I'm a special education teacher. First and foremost, I don't have these statistics on the top of my head, but I know in any class I have, I will have at least – five or six students who are designated l's which means english is their second language um, there's a lot of different structures for that um, there's classes where that's 100 percent the case where they're all l's and they're all learning english at the same time as learning the content but there's definitely a very high population i believe it's about 40 percent of our students are designated l's speaking english as a second language
0: all right and he mentioned a number of different languages i Find that number to be extremely high, what he said about that many different languages. How many different languages I mean I, I'm in the community I see a lot of Spanish, I see Portuguese, see a lot more Guatemalan in recent yep. years. Um, what language are we talking about?
1: I see a lot of Spanish, Portuguese, um, Creole um, I used to have a list at one point, but there's definitely a lot of language. That was a very high number, but it's definitely I mean it's more than a dozen.
0: All right, so if you've got students that you know English is the second language, and it's 40%, right? Yep. Uh, what kind of work do you have to do as a special education teacher or some of the other teachers that deal with bilingual issues to get that student to the point where they're going to be able to pass the MCAS as it stands now, and hopefully even if they get rid of the MCAS, to be able to pass the courses in order to right. be proficient enough to get the high school diploma?
1: So we don't necessarily, we'll teach in English still, but we'll provide a lot of supports um, visuals to accompany every direction. So, okay, if we're telling you to get a pencil, put a picture of a pencil up there, put a lot of pictures that will help whatever vocabulary words we're working on make a lot more sense. Um, We provide a lot of context before we get into a story. If we're gonna read a text, we don't assume that every student in the room knows the context and all of those little details. So we make sure we pre-teach that knowledge. We do explicit vocab activities where we're going over the words that are gonna be in the text. A lot of it is just not assuming what the kids know and making sure they have all that foundational knowledge before we go into more complex things. As well as um, we can sometimes do like translations of the material so that they'll have the English and their own language. So they can kind of have that at the same time.
0: I'll tell you, it sounds like a... A difficult undertaking.
1: Uh, yeah, I, there's a lot of work that goes into it. The prep periods I get are never quite enough.
0: <laughs> now, a hot topic here, of course, not only in WBSM but nationally, the migrant population coming in. I think that caller also alluded to that. Yes. Do you have a situation where you know you have a lot of undocumented kids that are in the schools, and to what extent are they able to take part in the public education?
1: Um I actually don't know the documentation status of any of my students off the top of my head. I i don't tend to focus on that. I just I have a kid come in my room and I'm going to do the best I can to teach them everything they need to know. Um, I try to kind of view my kids as all equal ground. They all I, they all deserve a diploma. They all deserve to be able to be functioning members of society. And that's my job.
0: Now, as a teacher, would you even know that or would you even get into whether or not, you know, somebody was documented or undocumented? Do they even tell you?
1: I don't think so. I don't. That's never been something I know off the top of my head. I'll know their language status, like what their proficiency level is. I'll know what language they speak. But I don't typically know their documentation status unless they tell me.
0: All right. We're talking to Kelly Murphy, a special education teacher at New Bedford High School. And we're focusing mostly on the MCAS issue. But if you have any general issues that you'd like to ask uh, Ms. Murphy here, give us a call at 508-508. Nine nine six zero five hundred. You know, while you're here, because I, I was on uh, maybe, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, and I was filling in. And I'm an attorney, and I do a lot of work in juvenile court. And I see kids coming in who, you know, they haven't been attending school. And I think that was another thing that that last caller brought yes. up, attendance at school. And I see them not attending school. Uh, I see where a lot of times, you know, students are misbehaving. They call that, um, you know, somebody who's a repeated offender at school, they bring a case yep. at school called the child requiring assistance case. And the kids come in and I look and I say, boy, the, some of the stuff that the teachers have to put up with is really, really difficult to accept, you know, swearing at the teachers, throwing things around, kids not attending school and stuff like that. Uh, what is your view uh, of the status at New Bedford High School, especially in light of this whole thing in Brockton where <laughs> the officials in Brockton were like, hey, we, we got to call in the National Guard. I'm thinking, oh, my God, the National Guard uh, it can't be that bad down here. But as far as like, you know, just, you know, school attendance and behavior at school, what's your experience in those areas?
1: So there's definitely issues with behaviors and kids. It is pretty amazing sometimes what they're willing to do to a teacher. I was like, man, I would have cried if a teacher looked at me wrong when I was a kid. But a lot of that comes down to the school environment and things like MCAS don't help that because it puts so much punitive pressure on the kids who aren't doing well. So now they're like, well, why am I going to bother coming to school if I have to take this stupid test and now I won't even graduate They're, When it, you make it that much harder to graduate, these kids are not going to be willing to behave. They're not seeing school as something useful to them. So there are behavior issues. I haven't had any significant ones this year. I've gotten really lucky with my batch of kids and I tend to be good at building relationships. A lot of it is treating them like humans and not like a number on a test. And then you can actually make that connection, get them to want to come to school
0: do you think the misbehaving kids kind of get all the attention and we forget about all the kids who are behaving and are doing the right thing?
1: Yes, that, that can happen, especially with the louder kids. You know, the one throwing something at the teacher is going to get a little bit more attention than the ones who are quietly sitting in the back. But me, at least, and a lot of other teachers, we try to make sure we're distributing our attention.
0: Do you think there are a lot of kids there that want to learn, that enjoy learning from you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I have tons of kids, even the ones who... I have a attend- bunch of students who pretend like they don't want to learn, but they get right into the story as much as anybody else does.
0: The last call that call, He also brought up attendance and I talked about that briefly too. Yes. Have you had an issue where, you know, kids aren't attending as much as they should? And of course that hurts their education.
1: Oh, absolutely. We, there is a huge attendance problem. Some of that is stuff happening with those kids outside of the school. Some of that is, you know, mental health things. It can be Sometimes it's kids skipping. Sometimes it's kids having to take care of younger siblings, having to work a job, having to hold responsibilities they shouldn't have. And honestly, getting rid of something like the MCAS requirement would allow more money for the school to put into wraparound programs to help those kids and to put the money where it's really needed to bring up attendance. We're
0: talking mostly about the MCAS requirement. The Mass Teachers Association is... Putting forth a ballot question asking the public to vote on whether or not it should be eliminated. In 42 states across the United States, there is not a single high stakes test to deny diplomas to high school students. What do you think about that? Is anybody in the audience that thinks, well, you know what? I think they should have some kind of standardized test that somebody should pass in order to get a diploma. Do you have someone that disagrees with our guest or would like to ask a specific question to our guest? Give us a call here at 508-996-0500. And actually we can expand a little bit because obviously Kelly Murphy is in the ground. As that Mm -hmm. last caller just said, she sees students every day. She's in New Bedford High School every day. Maybe she has a perspective that's different than what is actually out there in the community, that things are all bad. I know that uh, there are a lot of great students out there, a lot of kids that learn. There are kids that graduate New Bedford High School and go to big-time colleges and everything oh, like that. In fact, uh, Mayor Mitchell, he, he likes to release the top 10 performing students in New Bedford High School, and I'm like, wow. Uh, these are people that are really performing at a high mm-hmm. level. All right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on WBSM.
3: Good morning. Hi. Um, hi. Um I, um, th- by... What she's saying, it's going to cost the taxpayers a lot more money because if these kids can't pass the test and they stay back, then you know what I
0: mean? Well, I think the proposal right now is to keep the MCAS test, but not make it a requirement in order to get the diploma. So I don't know that that's going to make any more expense or anything like that.
3: Well, I agree. I think that the Montessori approach is where it's at because I don't think you I don't think we should be putting pressure on children period. I think that if you bring out the best in them and funnel where their um where their um ability is, then I think it would be a better world myself.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree with that. The problem with things like MCAS is it's focusing so much on what students are not able to do and test scores and things like that that we're not able to get creative, really individually go in and see what the kids can do and what can they do to demonstrate their knowledge. It's like, okay, you have one way to do it, and that is all that we have.
3: Right, but they won't go that way,
0: right? The Montessori approach. Well, the... What is the Montessori approach?
1: Montessori approach is very much like letting kids learn through hands-on activities and just doing the things as opposed to things like high-stakes testing. So if we got rid of MCAS requirement and that was no longer as pressure and you didn't have to do that big test, we would be able to do more things like that in the classroom.
0: Alright, well thank you thank very you. much for your call thank this morning. Alright, 508 if you want to join our discussion. Again, we're talking to Kelly Murphy, a special education teacher at New Bedford High School, on the ground as they say, really getting a bird's eye view of everything that's happening in New Bedford High School. Primarily here to talk about the opposition to the MCAS being a requirement for graduation. And there was public comment at the school committee meeting last Monday night of which Kelly Murphy spoke. A number of other teachers spoke. I thought they made a pretty persuasive case so i figured i'd have her come down here and chat with you the wbsm audience good morning you're next on wbsm hello hi
3: hi i was interested in i've been interested in special ed because i have some grandkids who needed help but how how many autistic kids is there a growing number of those in your special ed
1: classes, and how are they handled? Um, I actually would say that we are noticing more and more diagnoses of autism coming through. Um, I have a decent handful in a lot of the classes that I teach.
0: What kind of a challenge does that present? In other words, because you can be autistic and you can have a strong case of autism. Yep. I think they talk about the spectrum. Some people are farther along on the spectrum than others. Uh, how do you address that?
1: So the thing with autism is it's less about like how autistic and how little autistic you are and more of what are your support needs specifically. I have some kids that are partially nonverbal, so I'm having to find like alternative ways to communicate with them. And then I have other kids who it's mostly just a social skills issue. Um, so it really depends on the kid itself. And that's my job as a special education teacher. We have individual education learning plans that will specifically state, here is what this kid struggles with. Here are their goals. Here's what this kid needs. So it's very individualized.
0: You said you had grandchildren that needed special education?
1: Yeah, but
3: they weren't autistic. Mm -hmm. Um, That was quite a while ago. They're adults now. But I just know of uh, um, uh, a friend has a a daughter that... um, well, she can verbalize, but she talks a lot of, to me, it's gibberish.
0: Mm-hmm. Is this in New Bedford?
3: Uh, no, she's at a, a different school right now. She's not living in New Bedford, but I was wondering what New Bedford had to offer. Mm-hmm. Do they have to send kids out to special schools, or is it all handled in the high school?
1: Oh, most of that's handled in the school. Yeah, most of that is handled in the school. Um, sending out to things like Wailing City is very specific to kids who need a lot more support like hands-on 24-hour support but we handle most of that right in the classroom i have a good handful of autistic kids that i work with daily thank
0: well, you very okay, much for your you call very... i appreciate it have a great day Bye bye. all you right too. thank you very much 508-996-0500 i think i finally got this <laughs> hello is anybody on this line oh i spoke too soon Okay, as I said, 508-996-0500. Paul Santos filling in for Ken Pittman. Always have a great time filling in here on the weekend. As we said, our guest is Kelly Murphy, a special education teacher at New Bedford High School. You know, we talked a little bit the last time I was on with kind of school discipline, you know, kids not behaving and stuff like that. I know we touched on that briefly. You said you had some kids like that. I mean, Brockton High School, right, made the news. Did you hear about this this week where... You know, some of the officials thought that it was so far out of control that they wanted to bring in the National Guard, which I went, oh, my God, how bad can that be? Um, Discipline at New Bedford High School. How would you find that? Do you find it, you know, could be better? You think that it's okay? Like, what's your view on the ground floor?
1: It's kind of hard to say. Sometimes, like I said, I've gotten very, this is my first year in the actual high school. I've gotten lucky this year. But generally, I feel like admin is on our side in terms of, okay, I'm having this behavior issue. Help me out with it they're usually pretty good about being on our our side and disciplining the kids. But what I would like to see more is less of like punishment, like, okay, you did a bad thing in class, you have detention now and more being able to have the resources to work with those kids and get to the root of the problem. Because I'm a strong believer in very few kids are misbehaving because they're like bad kids. They need help in some regard, whether it's trauma, whether it's just knowing how to behave, whether it's feeling like school isn't important to them, there's usually a root of the behavior that can be solved.
0: So you don't think a kid just comes in there and just misbehaves for the heck of it? You think there's really something on the ground floor that needs to be unpacked?
1: Yeah, I've pretty much never met a kid who at some point with my interactions with them, I didn't have a, oh, aha, that's why you are the way you are. Mm
0: -hmm. I remember when my wife was teaching, you know, she would tell me, and this was in second grade, especially toward the end of her career, you know, she would say, gee, you know, I got a kid here who, you know, there's a possibility they're going to be evicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had one kid one time where there was a raid, there was a drug raid in oh, a house. Oh, absolutely. There was another case where the father just didn't come home one day, never came back. Um, really like horrendous stuff. She's had kids that come to school that couldn't wait to get there to have the school breakfast. Yeah. You know, because they were hungry.
1: I've had kids who experience significant trauma and then we don't really have the resources to. Give them that trauma support that's going to help them right. be a functioning member of that school.
0: Or even we're in the presence of domestic violence. Something oh, really horrific like that. So she would say, Oh my God, I'm trying to get through to so and so. Uh, and they went, they're going through this and they're going through that. And how much more difficult it is because the kid is sitting there thinking about what's going on at home and really can't focus. And my wife's got to teach her, you know, she's teaching like 25 kids. And, you know, she's got to teach the other kids too. And has to determine, okay, how much am I going to put into this particular issue? How am I going to get through to this kid? But I still want to teach the other kids too. And it's all on that one teacher. And I thought to myself, oh God, I'm glad I'm not a teacher. You know, when it's I hear that kind of stuff, it's a lot of stuff to deal with. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. so what about that? Like you have to deal with kids that have those issues, right?
1: Yes, I do. I've had lots of kids who experience a lot of at-home trauma and I end up taking the brunt of that either because they trust me and they tell me, or I'm seeing the behaviors. So I'm dealing with the fallout of that trauma specifically Um, And that's kind of the problem with things like standardized testing is they're not taking all of that into consideration. Like, okay, this kid is experiencing trauma and you want them to take a test to graduate and they're supposed to focus on that. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, right. One of the things I noticed you folks talking about, too, which is a little bit of a different issue, and that is, you know, you could have kids transfer into a school, right, that basically don't speak English. And if they transfer into the school, like, say, a month before the MCAS is going to happen, which is in second grade, I think, and then in fifth grade, the teacher is expected to get that kid ready to take that MCAS that's going to be one month from now, even though they don't speak English. I think that's absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So the MCAS is you take it a few times in elementary school, you take it in middle school, and then the one that really counts for graduation is the 10th grade one you take as a sophomore. And if you don't pass it then, you have to keep taking it over and over again until you do and, yeah, that'll happen. We'll have kids come in at any time of the year. I had a kid one year who spoke no English and didn't know how to read in Spanish either. And they're like, okay, MCAST time. I'm like, What do you want me to do with this?
0: I'm surprised they require a kid like that to take it. You know what I mean? Like, say, you know, a kid joins the New Bedford school system in second grade. Yep. And the first MCAS is what, November or something like that? Yes. So, November, right? So, you get the kid in September. The kid doesn't speak English. And they're expected to take the MCAS in November. Why? Why would that kid be required to take the test that quickly when they've only been in the school a few weeks?
1: They want the data. They want the numbers and they want the data. And that's often more important to them is just the getting that statistics even if it's not going to do anything for the But that kid.
0: statistic should take into account that the kid came in and couldn't speak English, but it really isn't. They just look at the numbers and go, oh, your numbers went down. Yeah, well, I just got 10 kids that can't speak English.
1: (laughs) And that's part of the problem because now, so an area like New Bedford, which has a high rate of kids coming in who might not speak English, now they're labeled as chronically underperforming when the reality is it's just the situation of that school. You're going to inevitably have more kids failing than, say, a white suburban middle class area where that's not happening as much. So it skews the numbers.
0: All right. Why don't we explain to our audience a little bit again? I know we touched on it a little while back, but, you know, the ballot question is one route that's being taken to get this question on the ballot. If it gets on the ballot and it passes, then the MCAS would be removed as a requirement to get the diploma. If that doesn't work, there's also the Thrive Act, which is an act that would be presented by the legislature, possibly signed by the governor, and that would be an alternate route. So where do those two situations stand at the present time?
1: So the ballot question at the present time, um, We needed to get 75,000, yes, signatures, and we actually got 130,000. And I was part of that. I was on the ground. I was at farmer's markets, like, getting signatures from people, going door to door with my um, NBCOS members. And so currently it's at Beacon Hill, and the legislators have until the end of April to approve of the initiative or – Um, As it is, suggest a substitute or take no action. And if they don't take action, we only need to get 12,000 more signatures in order for it to definitely be on the ballot question. So one way or another, that's going to be on the ballot in November.
0: And it seems like from what I see, it seems like a majority of the folks in Massachusetts based on polling would be in support of eliminating those requirements.
1: Oh, absolutely. I honestly have met very few people who are like, no, I love MCAS. Leave it in. Almost everybody... If they either don't know about the information, and once you tell them, they're like, "Oh, of course I would support that. That's ridiculous."
0: Right. And there must be somebody out there that thinks, you know what? we ought to have some kind of standardized test that maybe in order to graduate high school, you should have to take some kind of a test. Uh, if you're out there, give us a call at 996 500 if you agree with our guest, if you don't agree with our guest, or if you just have a general question, give us a call and we'll put you right on. Good morning. you're in WBSM. Thank you, Paul. Kili Sacios.: Hi, how are you? Good. You know, I, I,
4: I've been listening to you, and you guys just mentioned second and fifth grade that they that they take those tests. Yes. And second grade is in uh, fifth grade. Uh, in the fifth grade, some of them don't speak English. You said.
0: Well, that can happen. I just remember when my wife was teaching second grade. You know, she'd give the MCAS say say one year she'd give the MCAS and the scores would be good, and they say, oh, congratulations, you did a nice job getting your kids ready for MCAS. So then the next year. She'd have five kids come in that, that didn't speak English, and then they okay. take the MCAS and the MCAS scores would go down and they'd say, Oh, Mrs. Santos, you're not as good as you were last year. She's like, wait a minute, I you know, you gotta factor okay. in the fact that there were kids with English as a speck language. Right. I was just using that as an example.
4: Okay. That's why I called in, because I I what I'm finding out here, it's the language barrier that's the problem most of the time.
1: I wouldn't even say it's most of the time. There's so many barriers. Um The MCAS test tends to be very skewed towards white, suburban, middle-class kids, even just with the context of the questions. You can have a kid who speaks English, but they're from a completely different socioeconomic background. The questions will be just as mysterious to them as if they weren't in English.
4: Yeah, I realize that. I just want to bring up something, Paul. You know Mm -hmm. that I was born in Greece, Paul, right? So I came to this country in 1960. I didn't know a word of English. Me and my sister, okay? And when we came, they had a program that we went to Knowlton School when we were here for a year to learn how to speak English first. I don't know what happened to that program, but wouldn't it be nice like like they did to us? We went to that Knowlton, they taught us the ABCs and everything, and we learned how to speak English that first year.
0: Before you went into the regular class.
4: And then, yeah, and the next year after we learned how to speak English, they, we went to Ottawa because we lived on our front street in Coffin Avenue. So we went to Ottawa school and we, we did get a couple of, you know, uh, double promotions because of the thing. Paul, you know, you've known me for years. I was in those chairs that I couldn't even get my knees underneath a desk.
0: <laughs> how old were you when you got here? Nine years old. So at nine years old, you didn't know any English, and they put you in a school for a year to kind of bone up on English before you went into the regular class. All right.
4: You don't know school. That's
0: why they still can do that. What What happened to those programs? All right. Let me see what the guest thinks about that.
1: Yeah, we do still have English as a second language programs. Um, depending on the student's level of proficiency, they may be in separate classes where they are really focusing on English acquisition skills, but some of the kids will come in with like partial English. So they'll be in slightly different classes, but it's, we move towards more of a mainstream program where regardless, they're at least trying to get some access to the curriculum because, and part of this is because of standardized testing, they're really trying to push those kids to be able to pass the test as soon as possible, which kind of they're focusing on that so much. We kind of let things like just letting them learn English of gets pushed to the side
4: well he shouldn't be pushed to the side because oh, i agree he, he, he has a lot of things and the only reason i called in is because when i heard this i didn't realize they started at uh second grade and fifth grade and yep. you did mention about they don't even know they come in they didn't even know english so right how you would have a kid to do that but i'm just giving you what happened at my time and my sister and i'm sure there's a lot of other people Paul, that did the same thing, go to an old school, learn it, and then they put you in the regular school when you knew how to, you know, know your ABCs and know how to speak English. Right. So you in and don't know anything. So that's why I called in.
0: All right, well, thanks the for program. the call. appreciate it. Uh, the, the program should come back. Okay, thank you. Good morning. You're next. Hey, good morning.
5: Hi. Uh, hi. Hey, Paul. Uh, something your, your guest said a little while ago was that she didn't... We were talking about Brockton High, and that she did not believe in any form of punishment that she believed in finding the root of the problem and i think that's extremely important is getting to the root of the problem the how and the why but um at the same time the reason why they were talking about bringing in the national guard in brockton high is because there's a lot of violent crimes being committed against both teachers and Mm -hmm. students so you don't want to punish I I, you use you say punish but I use discipline I use the term discipline but because if you don't discipline people who are committing violent crimes against others and you just say well let's give Johnny a hug and find out what's going on if you don't if you don't discipline them they're going to continue doing it under all circumstances and they'll weave their way through it to continuously get through that throughout the course of their life and what do you what kind of message is that sent to the person who's been violated by this person Who's had a violent crime against them? Now you're just giving them a little pat on the back and sending them off and saying, well, you know, we're going to get to the root of the problem. It it says no message at all for that person who has been violated as well
0: as the person who's doing the violating. All right, let's get a comment from the guest.
1: Uh, Definitely to clarify, wouldn't, would never say like students committing violent crimes shouldn't face consequences for that and be disciplined. It's more focusing on okay, you have someone committing a violent crime. They absolutely need to have consequences for that. Safety plans put in place, removed from the classroom for the safety of the teacher and the other students. It's more, we're going to discipline, but it's not just, okay, you have detention now for a week. You're suspended for a week with no follow-up on why did that happen? What happens too often is kids get suspended, or they get detention and then that's it. Okay, you've been punished, come back in and try again. Like there needs to be more supports for, you have been disciplined, now we need to figure out how to prevent that from happening again.
5: Fair enough, fair enough, I appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm glad to clarify that. The next thing is is that, is what's happening and um, you can't blame the school systems for this at all, but people are coming into the country and, and a, a kid who doesn't know English and he's just come here, shouldn't have to take a test in English uh, uh, especially up to being here for just a very uh, short period of time, but, but what are the going back? One of the bigger problems are is that people are coming in here, and there's no longer an assimilation process going on. They're coming in here, and they're not learning English, and they're not being taught English. And and so what's happening is that. They're going to get through life without having to learn the language here of, you know, you know, here in America, which happens to be English. Just, you know, and, and so that's a problem in itself, and that takes place at home. That starts at home a lot of times because it's easy to just come here and just you know, carry on. But, but I, I believe that they, they should be taught English. And the gentleman before me had you know, mentioned about a program where they came here, and they did learn how to speak English. It's extremely important. As, as well as teachers have to learn, a lot of teachers have to learn Spanish now mm-hmm. and, and in order to be able to teach kids as well. And because even if the child learns English, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to take a while. It's going to take time. And teachers, you know, have to be able to, you know, work through and weave through that to explain themselves probably in the teaching process. As
0: All well. right. We're right up against the break, so I'm going to have the guest comment on your call. We appreciate yeah. you calling in. Yeah. Thank but,
1: you. Yeah, we do still teach students English. Um, We have a lot of different, there's newcomer programs for the kids who have just come in, SLIFE for the kids who kind of need a little bit of that transitional time before they're ready for full classes, ESL classes where we're just bolstering their English proficiency. So students are still taught English. It's just that there needs to be a lot of different levels of accommodations for that. And I agree, they shouldn't have to take this test.
0: All right, you're listening to the Ken Pittman Show here on 1420 WBSM 99.5 FM. It's Paul Santos filling in this morning. We're talking about the possibility of eliminating the MCAS test in order to get a diploma at New Bedford High School. What do you think? 508-996-0500. Give us a call. the Ken Pittman Show right here on 1420 WBSM 99.5 FM. Paul Santos filling in. If you'd like to join our discussion, you know the number, of course, at 508-996-0500. Our guest is Kelly Murphy. She is a special education teacher at New Bedford High School. And we've been talking about the possibility of eliminating the MCAS as a graduation requirement in order to get a high school diploma out of New Bedford High School. One thing you mentioned a little bit earlier is that You thought the test was geared more towards sort of like middle class, suburban white students, you know, the socioeconomic status of a student could possibly give them an advantage the way the MCAS is laid out right now. Can you explain that? So there's
1: a – is it on right now? Yep. Okay. There's a couple different factors of that. There's something as simple as whether or not there's parents at home reading to a kid at night. So they're going to get that advantage of having slightly higher reading skills even sometimes the contexts of the questions. Um, I'm trying to think of an example right now, but it might mention a historical landmark that a kid who's been in the you know, New Bedford city, never been able to travel, simply wouldn't have access to. Um, word, math word problems about zoos where a kids like, I've never seen an elephant, just little things like that, you wouldn't think make a big difference. But if you don't have the context for something, that question is going to be that much more confusing than if you were like, oh, okay, I've read this book. I know this story. And it also has to do with the school itself and how much that school is getting funded. Schools that typically have high MCAS scores don't have all the same restrictions that a score that's a school that's underperforming tends to have. Because, okay, New Bedford School isn't doing well. We've got takeovers and receiverships and we've got people coming in to put all these curriculums in that are trying to get the boost the scores, whereas in that other school that's performing well, the teachers get to have a lot more creativity and fun. Okay, the t- kids are doing projects; they're having fun with education, and then in a school like New Bedford, which is typically underperforming. No, we're teaching to the test. That's all we have to do. That's what we're focusing on all the time.
0: So if they remove the test, that would take away that burden?
1: Oh, absolutely. It would take pressure off the students. They're no longer stressed for this test. It would take pressure off the teachers. March, coming up soon, is the worst month of the year, March and April, because we're so focused on MCAS that that's all I'm thinking about all the time. And I'm like, man, I would love to read a fun story with my kids, but I can't.
0: Somebody might say, rather than, you know, look at it in that fashion, that There's got to be some way to take those kids that haven't been exposed to all those things that you just described and trying to teach them that at the school. I know that's a burden, but I mean, is that something that the school would have to address or try to get those kids knowledgeable in those areas where these other kids get read to?
1: Absolutely. Um, Even things like field trips, schools that are usually underperforming on MCAS have less funding and less time for even things as simple as a field trip. I went to Friedman Middle School. I went on a handful of field trips. I went to the state house. I've never been on a field trip like that with my New Bedford kids. We don't get to do those kinds of things because we're so focused on passing the MCAS. We don't get to do those fun things that would broaden their horizons.
0: So having those field trips and all that, those things are probably overlooked by a lot of people when they're thinking about, say, weak academic scores. But you're saying that actually getting out of the community, having field trips having fun things to look forward to. That's a big piece to an education, right?
1: Absolutely. And I mean, that goes into things like discipline and attendance. If kids are like, okay, I'm going to come to school and I'm going to write an essay every single day because I'm preparing for this stupid test that I hate, they're not going to look forward to school. They're not going to want to come to school. They're going to hate being there. And I don't really blame them.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Is it the type of test that, you know, makes it so difficult? In other words, if they had a test that was a little bit more, okay. You're going to get a diploma from the Redford High School. That diploma should mean something. It should mean that you can do basic reading, do basic math, you know, put a simple problem together, you know, maybe a little science and technology, uh, background in history and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. There should be some basic knowledge that you have before you get that diploma. So is it the type of test that makes it so difficult? In other words, could you envision a test that that meets those minimum standards that I just described.
1: I think the problem is making it a singular test that everyone has to take and pass as opposed to having options. So for example, um, vocational tech school, they have like a capstone project that they do where they have to do some research, they create something, they're interning, things like that, instead of just this one test. If we got rid of the MCAS requirement, now we can use Coursework and things we're doing every single day and coursework that proves that they're competent, tests that we take in the classroom that prove they're competent, projects, portfolios, different methods instead of just this one singular thing. So then, okay, so maybe these kids aren't good at testing, so their test scores are always low, but they do fantastic projects and it's so clear they know the information because of this play they put on or this skit they did or this essay they wrote. It's just the having a variety of options for kids to demonstrate their skills instead of just this one singular test that every single person has to take.
0: You know, some people would say, too, that the quality of the parenting, you mentioned that before, you know, sometimes the quality of the parenting is overlooked. You know, a kid, really, it's not their fault where they happen to land. You land with really strong parents who you know, really focus on education, who read to the kids, who are really involved with the kids. And then you've got other parents, they have their own issues and stuff like that. They're pretty much neglected. And they show up at the school, as you said, without having any kind of background, any kind of foundation. Really, the parenting is an issue with this, is it not?
1: Oh, it absolutely is. And that can come from, you know, I tend to believe that it's not just, oh, a lazy parent who doesn't want to do their job. A lot of it is parents working multiple jobs that to just to make sure rent stays paid. Um, things like that, that's going to impact a child's education and the school should be able to support that, but it's not going to if the MCAS is saying, well, they're failing the test, I don't know.
0: Well, we only have a couple of minutes left. I'm wondering if you could give your a little final summation as to why you think the MCAS should be eliminated.
1: So all in all, I think getting rid of the graduation requirement would take so much stress off of the pressure for the test and really allow us to open up how we're measuring kids and how we're figuring out how competent they are and really gear it towards kids and what they need instead of focusing on just passing this one test so that the school can get money.
0: Well, we really enjoyed having you on. Kelly Murphy, special education teacher at New Bedford High School. We want to thank our callers for some very Interesting calls today and informative calls, and we've got one person's point of view. It looks like you're in the majority. It seems like a majority of folks thinks we should get rid of the MCAS, so I think the polls seem to support your position. Thanks a lot for coming in again here on WBSM.
1: Thank you
0: for having me. All right, Kelly Murphy, I'm Paul Santos filling in for Ken Pittman. I'm going to put in a little promo for my television show. I do a television show called the Paul Santos Live Show. Totally different than this one. It's more like the Tonight Show. We have a few laughs. We have comedy. We have music. And we have a really big show coming up tomorrow at 10.30 on Channel 6 in Providence, ABC 6. We've got a kid who I think is just amazing. His name is DJ Bishop, and he's a quadriplegic. Had a terrible accident a number of years back. He's around 30 years old, and he talks about, you know, the challenges... Being in the quadriplegic community, all the things he's trying to do to help people like himself and how he's working hard to hopefully walk again someday. One of the most inspirational people I've ever met. We also have a great comedian by the name of B. Lee, and we have a great singer by the name of Tracy Fonts. This man is unbelievable. All that in one half hour tomorrow morning on the Paul Santos live show Again, 10.30 tomorrow morning on ABC6 in Providence. Coming up after the news, we have Tom Hunt, local political analyst. He's somebody that's been around. We've worked together on election night for many, many years, a couple of decades. Used to be on the old Channel 13. So we're going to talk local politics. How about this recall provision that the mayor wants to do? What about that? What's going on with that? What about Super Tuesday? Tom Hunt is up next here at WBSM. Stay tuned. WBSM and W258DR New Bedford. New Bedford's news talk station. 1420 AM and 99.5 FM. WBSM, a town square media station.